0: Edging closer Couple of metres out
1: Desperate defence by the men in green You've got to give Tupou another crack at it He gives it to Tupou
2: They drive him
1: He's about a half a metre short
2: Release it now
1: And Genia
0: Out to Foley Dummies
3: Can't find a way through Genia, Genia Who wants it? Doesn't he deserve that? David Pocock. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. It's to the short side. Oh,
4: it's been to the short side. It's gone to the trailer. And try it, Murray.
3: I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this team, not you. Hi, Rob. Z here. I just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. When Ring Rose comes through. Oh and he's brilliant from Ring Rose! Ring Rose is going here. What a score.
2: Hello and welcome to the Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGee. I hope you all enjoyed the last sixteen months. When Ireland were all conquering Grand Slam champions and gunning for the All Blacks, number one spot. But um yeah, Saturday's Brisbane, Suncorp Stadium, bit of a wake-up call. Ireland were good, the Wallabies were better, and David Pocock was he was good. Um, very good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to discuss the week's action, I'm joined in the studio by Sports Joe's very own Pat McCarry. Morning, how are you? And he in the good company of Kevin McLaughlin. Morning. And James Downey. Good morning. Morning, lads. <laughs> uh, a little later, we'll be joined on the line by rugby writer with the Sydney Morning Herald, Georgina Robinson. But first, Ireland are human after all. It all comes to a stop. Uh, what did you think of that performance?
3: Disappointing. Uh, I think to start with it was a really good test match I actually thought the game was pretty enjoyable pretty open both teams are going for it Uh, I think Australia probably wanted a little bit more was the impression I had Um, it's tough like travelling getting that out of your system Brisbane's probably the hardest test as well it's pretty hard conditions there it's hot it's it's humid it's sticky the type of conditions that none of the Irish lads would have played in in a long time um, and I think you could tell they just didn't have the, the normal zip to their game they looked fatigued I thought and uh, made mistakes uncharacteristic mistakes at times and I think they I actually still expect them to win the series, hmm. I think they're going to win in Melbourne and, and win in Sydney I think they I think Joe's been quite smart I think some of the guys needed a bit of mental refreshment physical refreshment, whatever it might be uh, particularly some of the Leinster lads and a lot of guys to bring back in now I think Pat's picked the team for this weekend. And he's got twelve changes, so, uh, <laughs> no. so he'll be sending that through to Joe later, including management. <laughs> 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 twelve changes, like so, like Joe does have the ability to freshen up a lot, mm. which which is promising. In that, like Ireland easily could have won that game with what was, you know, probably ten second choice players, really, or eight or nine, anyway. That mm. you know wouldn't have started at the end of the Six Nations. There, which is great. It's a good chance to test some of those guys out. Some of them went well, some of them struggled a little bit. But, you know, good test for the guys. And, and I know Joe, is he's got this balance now of really wanting to win a test series down there versus, like, let's see how these guys go and, and test some of our talent out
4: before the World Cup. He even mentioned that afterwards. He's like, oh, we need to, we, like, we've got to go on and win this now, you know. It's like we're 1-0 down. But I do think that um, it's interesting that, uh, like, he has this ability now to, like, we had these... Finishers sort of say coming on, and we were 9 8 up when we made a lot of those changes. Mm. Um, so, for Kevin, they're talking about like we've like some second choice guys to actually put up a decent front on it. I was quite disappointed in how the bench kind of impacted. Um, I know if I'm being kind of critical, like Sexton had a bad miss to touch. Um, okay, critical of Carberry on one thing. I thought he was very good, Um thought he did a lot of things extremely well. One blemish is missed, miss kick. Mm. Um, that'd be it for me really um, just back row I think we're kind of a little bit overshadowed by the Aussies but you've got to kind of look at a check and how he does things like Kev would have played under under check and I think he's quite he would have been smart in a shoot how he went about preparing them for this game like saying like look at this team we're playing against who've come down here and conquering all before them and like you know we're at home let's pull it up to them like the fe- the defence and the line speed Nathan Gray must be delighted with how they perform. those first 15 minutes or so were violent yeah mm. the, the, the Aussies yeah. were fired up fired yeah. up completely but like it targeted actually, Car- Carberry a lot but, didn't they but, that's, but, uh, but Carberry I think has to get used to that yeah, like true. he's an international 10 if uh, you think it's going to be different if Johnny was in there players target Johnny as well I yeah. think it's this is something that he just has to put to the back of his mind and expect that this is going to happen on a week-to-week basis. But the line speed they brought, I just uh, what concerned me was that we just didn't really... like. We love that kind of uh, out-the-back play where we have a front-runner and we go out-the-back. And um, I thought we should have... I know the commentators mentioned at half-time that, uh, on Sky anyway that we should have hit the front-runner, uh, the forward-runner, and just to straighten it up a little bit because we were going out-the-back... And to be fair to the Aussies, defensively they were making the right reads, and they were. uh, I I think conversely as well. I think a couple of times Bundy Aki had a couple of uh, chances to move it, and he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and i know Murray Kinsler did a kind of bit of a piece on the lead up to one of the tries, and it was was quite good. That you know, like we're a bit hesitant in what we're doing, and he had a great uh, gif of Johnny Sexton ahead of the line with his hands in the air, going like, "Why aren't we giving this? We should be Mm -hmm. in behind, you know." And um, just these are the small percentages um, and I just thought that I do think we're going to win it I still think I know I predicted 3-0 but I think it's going to be I do know I'm going to 2-1 but I just think that Candy the Aussies keep repeating that and we have I think with Gary Ringrose back in he'll add had a new dimension um, I think pff, I'd like to see jo- Joey play again maybe not the second but um, I'd like to see him go again didn't mm. think he was bad so but look, all in all, you still have all these Lancer boys to come back in and I think they can have a nice impact.
0: The uh, the big mantra I kind of got was the Aussies kept talking about second in the world, second in the world. Even you see some of the newspaper headlines was Australia beat second in the world, Ireland. So it's something that they're gunning for, that they can overtake Ireland as well and prove that they're the next best there as well. And as you said, Cheka would have kind of really had them fired up. Like And yeah, you could just say, I think Conor Murray got hit Smashed three times in the first ten minutes, like, and none of them were illegal or anything like that. But they really went after them, and then the Carbery one where Hooper absolutely destroyed him. But that was Jack McGrath passed the ball over his head like a mm-hmm. terrible pass. But Carbery did well to kind of keep focus, keep his mind on the job, get the ball away because he knew he was going to get it, like, and, and he did. So Jesus, yeah, they had. It's interesting to see. It was almost like... I know Argentina came not last November and we went after their 9 and 10. That they went after their 9 and 10. And no one's really got after Murray like the Australians did in that first 10 minutes. But I don't think they... I don't think Carberry seemed rattled.
2: No. I think that he did fine. Mm. I mean, yeah, apart like from that missed kick, it. and we know kicking isn't the, the reason you're picking Joey Carberry, um,
3: but he did fine. He stayed pretty composed. I isn't? think, just going back to what Pat was saying there, is Cheka is unbelievable at... Uh, when you're kind of up against it and you know the big dogs are coming into town and to getting a team fired up he used mm. to do it with Leinster when Munster were the big dogs in Ireland every time you pay Munster like you'd have people unbelievably fired up and you just saw that in the first 10-20 minutes How would he do that? He'd be putting up every poster of how great <laughs> all the great articles written about Ireland any quotes that any player that he ma- ever made um, that he would say you know these guys back themselves they think they're better than they are they're coming to our town like like really create this hometown mentality hmm. and be like we don't we don't lose to these guys at home so i wonder and can you do
2: that for two tests and then three tests yeah well that's what he's planning
3: that's what he's planning it's harder like the low diminishing marginal returns and all that I think it does it does fade off I think when we were playing Munster we wouldn't play them then again another four or five months so you'd be Mm. able to get fired up again it's really hard for a three test series but that's exactly what he's going to be trying but I think Ireland are going to be more wise to it this time but yeah like Carberry dealt well with it I thought I I would have loved (coughs) to see him play the 80 like see if he can close a test match they were 9-8 up when Johnny came on historically Johnny's not great off the bench. He's better when he's controlling the game right from the start and it's his game plan he's owning it um, sometimes he maybe forces things a little bit when he comes on like he's world class probably best 10 in the world at the moment but best from the start and a great test for Carby can he close out a test match 9-8 up let's see how he goes mm-hmm. you know but yeah um, yeah, I mean, uh, th- there's going to be a few changes. I think the likes of Levy, Johnny, um, I think Ringrose, you were saying as well, like three players that make a massive difference now. OK, let's talk about weekend. the, the,
2: the centre like cycle. We'll talk about Pocock in the back <coughs> rows a little later on. Yeah. So you mentioned Aki. <coughs> right now, what I see is Aki and Robbie Henshaw two really, really some fantastic players. But perhaps we don't get as much out of that centre partnership as we could do. I think... Y-
4: yeah I'd agree with you I think you're looking at when you have centres like that not so much bludgeoning but they're actually they're physical centres and I think it was kind of matched up then against the, the two Aussie guys and we need someone maybe just a little get out like I think if Joey had Gary Ringrose he has that mentality with him of he knows he can put him on an outside and Gary can have that opportunity to have an outside break and, and stretch the Aussies just a little bit because I think we had them in positions where we should have put them away and and exploited some uh, some frailties out wide but I just think that they're too similar I know it's worked at Connacht for them and, and and it was great at the start when Bundy was starting that he had his partner from Connacht when they played together there that it was just a bit of a seamless kind of integration for him but um, I prefer someone with a bit more kick kind of you know I think mm. that Robbie now has kind of been moulded more into a 12 so um, I'd like to see Robbie push back in and kind of get that Lens the trio mm. on, the old, on
2: the Aussie side Curtly uh, Beale was fantastic unbelievable he wasn't caused he? Yeah. a lot yeah. of problems so how do Ireland plan
3: to neutralise Curtly Beale? it's hard he's an absolute live wire <clears throat> and as much as anything it's those passes <laughs> yeah, yeah. fired out about three or four passes that just put people in space and absolutely zipped them out um, and he's one of those players that always has a ball in two hands, and he'll either fire a pass out, he'll put footwork on, he'll burn someone on the outside. He was absolutely electric.
4: It's it's hard to kind of like the the simplest thing to to do take him out of the game is either make him tackle or just put him under pressure that he's mm. just physically exhausted. And, and towards the end of the game, he was actually took a bit of a knock, so it's like this is the whole thing about the three test series how can they do it week after week after mm. week at such an intense level and mm. do Australia have that strength and depth I know Cheka has blooded a lot and knew more players but do they have that strength and depth now to, to last three tests because it's it's very traditional like and you know and your body I don't think they do like, yeah yeah. well this is like, their, their
3: line out was terrible um, I think say if someone like Foley gets a knock they're in serious trouble yeah like um, they, they got to the point where they couldn't kick to the corner. They mm. they like they tapped and gold which was brave in in the twenty two at the end. Um, but they couldn't kick to the corner because mm. like, your man
4: kept overthrowing the lineouts. Like, so I am positive there as well. Rob Herring, had thought through very well in the lineouts. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, no, he was good. That yeah. was like that was solid for Ireland. But I was just going to say, Jimmy, with, um, especially because it led to that Foley try. Henshaw you see it like he burst out of the line twice and <coughs> missed his tackles as well is that him making that decision himself or is that was that a
4: tactical thing directly? you can see it like, like I was kind of shouting if he hits and sticks him it's perfect but mm. if he don't stick it I know he likes to do it as well mm. runs out of the line and if you hit him and you get man and ball and you stick him it's it's the right option mm. if you don't and they make a break it's like what are you have here you, you yeah. like you've taken it of your own accord to make a little break I'm sure they've been given a licence to. if you make a read go for it mm. and sometimes um, if you have a centre a 13 say who's going to shoot up the 12 can sometimes slide across and cover just in case they do make a mistake but um, he'll be disappointed himself about slipping off that that was a soft one to be honest you know yeah. and, like if he hits him he nails him behind the game line and the Aussies are in trouble but conversely It's we clear
3: were, though were Australia were targeting Ireland on the wide channels Yeah yeah. Because th- I think they would have looked at a couple of games <clears> in, in the Six Nations said Ireland are frail there I think Wales exposed us there yeah. a few times yep. and when you got guys like Beale and Foley that can yeah, they, they can get there Pat, They can get there and, and they can fly out on the wide channels they got like Coravetti like really dangerous yeah. players I think we missed Ringrose I think he yeah. is the best Defends, defending yeah. 13 yeah. In the Irish squad right now, and I think he'll make a difference there.
4: And he's got that much speed to recover <coughs> as well. But I think for like, um, for when we, we got caught out, then we had like Keane Healy, uh, yeah, and we had, well, like all the, pro- all the front row, like, got it, like steamrolled, yeah, 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 like absolutely hanging out there. And but that's smart to kind of target that. But yeah, I do think that an area a concern would be that we concede a lot of yards out wide uh, and quite easily to be honest. Mm. I think we're very narrow around the rook and how we defend and um, we just need to space it out a bit more. I know we spoke about it after the Wales game but mm. yeah I do think that ring rows to have that communicator and that speed and that nous defensively will give players around them more confidence as okay. well.
2: The standard TMO call. Uh, firstly TMO call I thought was right. Do, do we have any disagreement? It was a bad on? decision though. Oh, oh,
3: because it should the question should have been any reason I can't award it like he had momentum got over the line like I just think they got a favour the Second so, so team there
2: that's what I think what Joe Schmidt said was yeah. it Yeah, <laughs> I disagree so I disagree because <sighs> the referee and the touch judge talked mm. to each other and neither one could see the grounding
3: doesn't matter though I just think you've got to give the benefit of the doubt in those scenarios like uh, Based on the reaction The referee's got to have A bit of cop on there And be like He looks like he scored that like. Do you think? I, uh, think I don't I think
4: he's turned into I think he's Firstly I think he's He's made a bit of a wrong option I think he should have passed I at think. what point um, just there was a, he kind of went himself and pulled across and there was a support player on his inside Herring, Herring. Yeah. yeah and he could have put it in Herring would have counted under the post would he <laughs> well, I don't know but he, like, he made he dragged that extra quick. defender Herring is quick yeah, yeah. All right.
0: Bundy, Bundy, Bundy he was there as well but then I think Beal stepped across him as well so Bundy then was just that split second behind as well but it, it's funny because you watch it and oh, I've smacked the microphone there i so excited about it um, you watch it from one angle and it looked like he's clear but then I think uh, it was Haylet Petty was coming over so he had to step to his yeah, left and I, I think he thought he was clear too
3: yeah, yeah. Hale Petty did a good job he did. He, did he did a really good job I think he actually scored it though I think he's I, I think, think he's put it on his he I think he's, he he's rolled
2: then. over and I, I know the defenders. Kev, I, I know the body. bit you're talking about is yeah. it's after the tackle's actually made. Alapelli's underneath. He kind of sh- shifts ca- yes, he shifts the ball down, yeah. and I think I agree with you, right? Yeah. I think that in a perfect world, where we had a microchipped perfect ball, right? That ball is on the la- is down but there's no way it can
4: give it do you hear Andy coming in there with the, with the, <laughs> the microchip the ball <laughs> <laughs> he has to get a Future bit of tech in, in yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. some like trademark Andy Mcgee. So
2: <laughs> someday in 5-10 in, in years we're going to be there's going to be a ball like that I'm telling you there'll be My, go, the right technology It <laughs> will be exactly will <laughs> be,
3: be twice the, the way because the microchip like, oh, yeah. right. Andy's
2: microchip so, so now that we've got our whining uh, out of the way about tries we're not even going to go into the one at the end of the match right? Oh, the magical crazy. camera that, only that one no person one saw, has. yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And now, from Australian perspective, we're going to bring in Georgina Robinson. Hello.
1: Hello, guys. How are you?
2: We are very well. Okay. Um, just okay. We're okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Lick your wounds <laughs> sufficiently. Uh, yeah. We, we've done some wound licking. Um, We've done some complaining. Um, But it's fair to say that Australia were not happy with one thing in that game, and that was the Falau try reversal. How did that go down?
1: Yeah, look, I think at the time, um, everyone thought it was a you know the roughest of rough calls, um, considering it was a fair, bait, fair way back um, before the try was scored. But, you know, it's a penalty, um, isn't it? So it's a penalty any day of the week. And I think on reflection, when they had a chance to consider the bigger picture, the fact that they'd, you know, won the opening test and this is a team that you know, just uh notorious slow starters in test seasons in this June series. Um, I think they thought, well, we might just take that on the chin and and focus on on uh on the bigger picture which I think is a smart approach. And Coleman himself, they put Adam Coleman up after the game. uh he himself said, he "Sort of, you know, he was he was really trying to take the physicality um, as far as he could, and and admitted he'd he'd gone a bit too far." So I think that's probably the the right way to handle it from the Wallabies' perspective.
2: Gents, what do you reckon? Um, if that call went against Ireland, I think we'd be
3: going nuts. Ma it was the right decision like you think yeah I'd, I'd be going nuts at Adam Coleman if I was and you could see check it I think they, they flashed him in the box a few times and he was absolutely freaking out because it's just so stupid like yeah. smashing a guy off the ball yeah. now with TMOs in the game and not only that oh, yeah. he held him down the ground then for a few seconds And oh, I, I
2: agree it's foul just, play but it, it, it's the it, Ireland play another four phases Yep. before Australia even get the ball. Yeah, right. And I'm just, I'm not sure we should be going back unless he's actually done something really, really super naughty. And
4: even then, I'm not sure I'd be pulling back the try. I'd be giving him a yellow card. Yeah, it's more of a contentious decision if if it's a closer game and yeah. if there's a if if they lose by a point or something, you're going to go well. That's a. A huge part of the game, but I completely agree. It's a penalty every day. It's like you've got to if you're going to be that stupid um, to have that kind of to come out of line and hit him, and he's in no way getting the ball. He's not even looking at where the ball is going. He's just running up to to smash him. So it's it's silly and should be pun- uh, punished because you don't want it to kind of kick on in and people getting away with this and going, oh well, it's back ten phases, so that's fine. You can get away with that. So mm. just not, don't do it. Don't be stupid. Right, well, there's one thing yeah, we haven't... And, uh, Sorry, go on.
1: Well, I was just going to say that the, that the stupidity of it was, and you know, right to point out that, that Cheka was going a bit feral in the in the <laughs> box at the time it happened because they've been working really hard on uh, just cleaning up the discipline a bit and tightening it up, you know. Ireland, Ireland are just um, uh, you know, the best in the world at being disciplined and uh, Australia have conceded so many penalties and, and yellow cards uh, in the past few seasons under checker so this was a really big issue so you know and, that, and that's the fine line now I mean I've, I've never seen them so pumped up I wrote that I'd never seen them so pumped up and so physical and I mean Adam Coleman is from Tasmania and uh um you know it just took it a little bit far
2: we actually talked about that at the start of the show. That, that first open, you know, the first, what, 15 minutes or so from Australia, it was, uh, I used the word violent. That's probably going a little far, but they were smashing Irish people.
1: Yeah, what a podcast for, but for going a little bit far. Um, <laughs> but it was, I I'd honestly, I you know, and, and I tell you why I knew it was a way I'd never seen him before was Curtly Beale's tackle on, you guys can fill me in here uh, it was early in the game and, and this is a bloke who is known for footwork creativity, heads up rugby he's a solid defender but he is not generally known for crunching tackles like the one he made pretty early on on an Irish player and um, yeah. right there we go and, and that's when I was like okay these guys have all drunk the Kool-Aid <laughs> and uh, it's really happening and I think I think Australians really love that. They really love seeing a team like that. We're used to you know just emphasis on running rugby and attacking play, and and that's really good. And we and we and we would hate it if you know if we had a coach that was uh, playing Jake White kind of rugby, mm. kicking everything, territory territory, or you know perhaps even Joe Schmidt rugby. Um, but what they really want to see is also uh, a, a team that's prepared to muscle up and and put on some some big but legal hits and, and that's what they were doing Georgina, generally.
3: Georgina Kev here. Just going back to that for a second, like the Australian public, how are the Wallabies perceived at the moment by the Australian public? Because I know they've had a really rough a uh, couple of years really and this, the honking they took by England the three test series last year would have hurt I'd imagine and there seems to be a lot of hurt and that hurt was seemed to be kind of displayed in a lot of physicality in the game of the weekend which is great but how much clawing back does Michael Jack and his Wallabies have to do to, to get back in, in, in a good perception from, from the public standpoint?
1: I've just got to play like that uh, and, and you know what they don't actually have to win everything but they have to play like that and um, It actually reminded me a lot of uh, the Waratahs in 2014, which is the year they won the Super Rugby title and the defence coach Nathan Gray, who's now the defence coach of the Wallabies, uh, said we we want to be brutal in defence, but we also want to be brutal on attack. And so basically, it was just the whole of contact area view he took as defence coach, uh, and said that we will we will hurt you uh, when you have the ball, and we'll hurt you when we have the ball. And that's what that's that's sort of um, what I saw. Uh, Last night in Brisbane, um, and 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 more than that, um, I really think there was they really actually played with some kind of collective purpose, and that's what we haven't uh, seen from the wallabies in quite a long time. They look like they love each other <laughs> uh, and they look like they die for each other mm. and uh, and I think that's what Australians uh, really want to see, and that's what will earn them back. Respect uh, win or loss.
3: Yeah, and some of the key kind of bellwether players for them, like Pocock, uh, Wilgenia, uh, Falao you know currently Beale, the the guys that when they play well the Wallabies play well seem to be stepping up like Guinea that's probably the best rugby he's played the best game I've seen him play in a long time he was so sharp same with Curly Beale, Pocock you know back at his best I think there those leadership figures having them playing at their best seems to make a huge difference particularly for the younger guys coming into the team as well
1: Exactly I mean can you imagine if you're Caleb Timu or Pete Samu in the Wallabies back row and you're playing next to Michael Hooper and David Pocock—you'd um, just be soaking it up. I can't imagine a better apprenticeship. but uh, that's, that's definitely correct. And Curtly Beal, I, I think, is um, the talisman of the of the team, and is also, they, they, you know, they're also a real hard on sleeve kind of team, and which is much like their coach. You guys would know that. Um, when he's angry, he can't hide it. When he's happy, he can't hide it. Um, and and Curtly Beal can't either. So occasionally, you'll also see him. You know, so watch. Maybe in Melbourne, um, you know, if Ireland put them under a lot of pressure, put him under a lot of pressure, shut down his fun and space, uh, and, and if it rattles him, you'll you'll really see that on his face. And, um, you know, for better or worse, he really reflects what's going on in the team at any given moment on the field. And, you know, as a journalist, that's what makes him such a compelling player to cover and observe, uh, but also makes him a really important player to the team. Pocock's entirely different. I mean, that bloke and Rugby Australia copped it um, for, for like the last 18 months for letting him have a sabbatical uh, and letting him take a year out uh, and travel and build huts in Zimbabwe and, you know. Fulfill that side of his personality, fill his soul up a bit, uh, and and then because when he came back at the start of the Super Rugby season, he he had to get um, some some knee some surgery on his knee, a bit of a sort of a clean out, and and everyone was just filthy saying how how, how dare he sort of take a year off and then get surgery and be in rehab on Brumbies time on Australian rugby time, um, but surely that performance last night is an indication of of his choice and also Rugby Australia's decision to. You know, grant one of their best players uh, some time away from the game after a decade of service.
0: Yeah, Kev, that was actually something I wanted to ask you Like, kind of getting a little bit technical on it like 2009 in Crow Park Pocock, a 20, 21 year old lad came over and just caused chaos at the breakdown so he's been a well known quantity for around a decade now but I think he got four clear turnovers in that mm. game there as well and he came close I, I I did a piece there for Sports Show and I was saying yeah. went into poach 15 times and was involved in 56 rucks like he was just on a like he was on a defensive detail like he doesn't show up much in attack well he got the, the bloody try like but um, he's a known quantity so how can he still cause such chaos to teams
3: it's pretty amazing because like if he he went in for 15 poaches he also made 19 tackles or 19 with 20 minutes to go or fifty minutes ago, go mm. probably more than that It's pretty incredible um, but like you know what he's actually generally illegal and I've, I've done <laughs> been looking back at his approach and the way he the way he actually makes his poaches is he has this ability to fall with the tackled player attach to the tackle player uh, doesn't release gets straight back up and never really actually goes to the ground he's such a low centre of gravity that huge upper body strength latches on with his arms so he uses his arms to kind of leverage him up mm. gets his hips up in the air so it paints a really nice picture for the referee um, and then he isn't always even going for the ball sometimes he's just blocking the ball in so it looks mm. like uh, he's trying to get the ball but he's just in a really nice position and it's it's next to impossible to clean him out because because he falls with the tackle player and there's no release it's very hard for the clean out I thought the referee did well to ping him a couple of times actually when um, I think Alan Quinlan was saying it was legal on Sky Sports but I didn't think it was legal because he fell technically if you're part of the tackle you have to release before you go on and I don't think he does a lot of the time but the way he does it looks he disguises it unbelievably well for the referee and he's next to impossible to move once he once he latches on and gets those big arms it's on, on one the ball quick
1: movement yeah and it's in it's in one sort of fluid movement he sort of cackles um, swoops his legs are spread really wide You're yeah. right his thumbs up in the air uh, and and you could actually see in a couple of rucks he was supporting his body weight with his hands hmm. Um uh, and you're right and he, and, he, and he does and he does just make it look like poetry in a way um, <laughs> you know. which I never thought I'd say about a defensive breakdown but he does Yeah well
2: one of the writer over on this side of the world isn't quite as enamoured with it right we don't often do this but um, I did mm. think this comment w- is worth pointing out so Neil Francis in the Sunny Independent said that I think David Pocock is a cancer on the game. I'm it's certainly getting reaction here I assume it's been picked up in Australia as well um, it's, I, I, I think it's great to
3: watch I yeah. think that's ludicrous from Neil Francis because it, it makes the breakdown way more interesting yeah. you've got this grey scrum, scrum cap hovering about every single rook it puts huge pressure on the attack and that's what you want you want to have to work hard to keep the ball and I think it's great for Ireland now. They've got a massive target and they're going to be putting one of the, one of the poor bench players in a grey <laughs> scrum cap this week and kicking the absolute shite <laughs> out of them. I can guarantee you.
2: The, um, uh, we, we actually we got a, a question in from a listener on that, <coughs> making that exact point. Who's the poor Egypt? Gonna yeah. be given oh, the grey yeah. scrum cap
3: the this week. burn, I would guess.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: the absolute perfect target. But the uh, left to swap out his blue one and put on a grey one, <laughs> like yeah. In the f- in the forty six minute of
2: the game, I was watching the game back on uh, with the, the Aussie commentary because it's always good to get that different Fox perspective. Flats, it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, he said, yeah, I've been watching how much Ireland have been trying to hold Pocock on the ground, but he still manages to get up and get there. Mm. But that's what it's about. Uh, and I was reading um, Gordon Darcy in today's this morning's Irish Times. You a nice line here when he was talking about when he played against Tipperick and Warburton together mm. said they came up with a simple plan it always sounds simple but they can't steal or even slow ball if they're stuck at the bottom of rooks. Mm. so you do what you can you either hold them in or you run at them and make them make the tackle themselves um, easier said than done
3: but how do Ireland do that next week H- who's refereeing this weekend I'll find out for you because Joe is going to have a meeting with the referee and the first thing he's going to say is uh, Pocock needs to release mm. after he makes the tackle before he gets on the ball. He's going to, like It's going to be the number one thing Joe's going to ask the referee to look at. Mm. So that's one thing. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing is they're going to try and target him earlier. And, and Cech is going yeah, to be making this. the
2: opposite point with the referee, which is watch for the Irish players holding on to my boy.
4: <laughs> but then, but then you're forgetting about Hooper, who's there as well. So if you forget about one, there comes the other guy. That's so, a great point. Do you know? I, I,
1: and Pete Samu, who yeah. actually did some pretty good work yeah, there too on
4: his debut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I think I think as well that um, like playing against players like that previously when you have an Armitage or something like tr- we used to try and as you say make him tackle or um, you try and take him out early just before the kind of ruck or someone's going down and he just as he's waiting ok it's hard with with Pocock when he's involved Gu-
2: guide us through it when, when you say take him out early explain exactly what you mean well
4: like, you see him and you've targeted him and you, I'd kind of you know, just wouldn't even worry about the ball about going anywhere near it I'd yeah. just go straight for him and just try and clean him out the, o- the
3: other technique you can use is <clears throat> you can latch the ball carrier a bit more mm. yeah so that means you're actually going, you're, you're latching onto the ball carrier and as they go to the ground, you're sliding past and mm. smashing beyond the tacklers. <laughs> There's yeah. a couple of things I need to do.
4: You have to be careful about that, that you don't <clears throat> go to the ground with them and then you're killing it then. and then, So that's the kind of, pinged, yeah. yeah, so the, it's the trade-off there.
3: The ref is Paul Williams. Okay. So Georgina, any tips? How do we deal with <laughs> yeah <Okay. laughs>
1: Yeah, look, nothing. I've, I've got, I've got nothing. <laughs> and if I had
0: anything, I would not be telling you I was actually thinking that um, I, th- I could see Toner coming in for this because he's brilliant to clear out beyond the rook yeah. and yes. just just such a big unit, yeah. six ten. He, like, he doesn't look as obvious.
2: Yeah, There's one big step by Dev
3: where he's got a big <laughs> arm out. It only looks like one step.
4: It's yeah, actually yeah, about true.
3: four. He's the king of the latches, actually.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Incredible, incredible
3: latches. And <laughs> Ashes guys through contact and yeah. then
0: I think the thing I'm looking forward to most because I, I even heard actually they did a warm up before the game and the only player that didn't feature it was Dan Levy mm. so they're completely resting him up hopefully mm. there's nothing kind of injury that he's carrying or anything like that but throwing Dan Levy into the mix there against Hooper and, and Pope. Fascinating. Bach, it'd be brilliant to watch
2: yeah I yeah. know yeah, Schmidt is, is conscious that <coughs> some guys have mileage he's mentioned it about Byrne actually mm-hmm. that okay he hasn't been playing for Ireland but he's played almost every minute you can for scarlets, mm. um, Levy took a lot of a lot of beatings over those last few weeks as well. Yeah, yeah. So maybe they've been rested up now, and uh, I mean, Byrne might come in off the bench. That might be a nice introduction for him. But mm. uh, Levy and the team, yeah. Listen, can
1: you guys answer? Can you guys answer a question from me? Um, what do you What do you make of Joe's um, persistence with uh, you know his World Cup plan and? And and his comments at the sort of very end of the press conference on on Saturday night that he that you know that you couldn't afford to change your plans to you know give a guy like Jolly Carbery more game time and and perhaps persist with starting him um, is that something is that something the the rugby appreciating public will cop yeah you know if even if that means losing losing. A few games before the World Cup.
0: Yeah, it's something that we spoke about before. It was like, do you want to, do Ireland want to keep winning, go out with the strongest team every week, or do you want to give a few lads a bit more game time? And yeah, I think that was Schmidt speaking after the game. He said he wanted to give lads this kind of white hot atmosphere of playing against a tier one side and the see, furnace. You know, he said the furnace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so it's. I think I think everybody kind of knew over here in Ireland that they were going to test a few
3: things out, but. Um, yeah, I think now that we're 1 0 down, experimenting's the l- finished. Yeah, that's it. there's a lot he of people back here saying, test. F yeah. this. And I think part of this Irish team's evolution is they have to be able to go down to Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and win a Test Series. Yeah. Um, and I think you look at what England won the World Cup they went out to New Zealand they they beat New Zealand I think they beat Australia as mm. well um, and that was part of their evolution and then the, the following year they won the World Cup I think that's the way Joe's going to be thinking now this is a massive test we've lost the first game uh, he's going to bring back he's going to go all out for the game this weekend mm. uh, championship decider really because if they lose they've lost the test series so um, I think you'll see Ireland coming out with all guns blazing uh, full, full, oh. Fully stacked this weekend. So you're looking at
2: what? I yeah. mean, Pat. I know you've you've forecasting many changes. Uh, Jerry Thornley's forecasting many changes. Sort of eight, nine, ten. Yeah, myself and sort
0: of Jerry saying I think it's going to be nine, um, eight or nine. Yeah. yeah. Um I'm seeing two in the back row, three in the front row, Sexton definitely back in ring rows, and there may be Larmer or Conway on on the wing for for someone like Earls, but. Um, uh, you know, and it, it's so interesting to see. Yeah, Toner as well come in. So interesting to see if Ty Byrne gets dropped in, and does he get dropped in as blindside, or does he get dropped in the second row? Um,
3: so he'd be on the bench. Yeah. You reckon? Yeah, yeah I, reckon, yeah. I he'll be benching, yeah. Uh, Any changes expected on the Aussie side, Regina.
1: I'm not sure. Uh, Checker plays his cards pretty close to his chest. Uh, we don't have. I don't think we have the depth. Uh, that uh, that Ireland have um, not that not that the bench delivered much of a spark for Ireland on no. Saturday, um, which which is another issue I guess and talking point. But um, you know, so that, for instance, Bernard Foley at ten, Curtly um, Beal, the starting twelve, is his is checkers backup number ten, and the bloke after Kirtley Beal is Reece Hodge. Okay. You know, who's essentially there as a bit of a utility. Um, so there's not a lot of tweaking. I guess also do you change a winning team? You yeah, think not? No real reason, and, yeah. There's no there's no real reason. Uh, maybe 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 um, Pete Samu might start instead of Caleb Timu. Mm mm-hmm. um, uh, and I don't think he has a lot to work with at Hooker. You know, Brandon playing Garamosa didn't have. You know, I mean, he, it was his Test debut. He, you know, botched a lot of throws. They've said they're going to work on their set piece, so you know, maybe maybe they can they can tweak something there. Look, Tom Robertson. Um the prop came on and, and made a real impact. Yeah. Uh, but generally, uh, I think that we'll see pretty much the same. Perhaps, perhaps something at number six. Uh, and uh, you know, apart from that, look, Marika Corabetti, uh on the wing was. You know, maybe didn't finish everything off, but definitely made an impact. And then Dane Hallett Petty is really, I think, the perfect companion player to Israël Falau because he he is a solid tactical kicker. So he's good he's good under the high ball, um, but where is he is still struggling to. You know, get his tactical kicking up to the same level of every other aspect of his play. Uh, Dane Hallett Petty, you know, really covers him nicely there. So I can't see much happening in the back line. Um, and uh, you know, Coleman made an impact. Sometimes he made too much of an impact. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I I think maybe maybe in the back row, just at number six, perhaps perhaps you'd, you'd reward Pete Samu for a lot of impact when he when he came on but I don't think there'll be too many changes.
2: Okay so we await team news. Um, Georgina while we have you, uh, we'd actually look we want to touch on a piece yourself and Tom Decent had in the Sydney Morning Herald and it's something that uh, over here Gav Comiskey, Sinead Gassan, Jack O'Toole have written uh, good pieces on and it's the IRFU's decision to turn down a three test series for the Ireland women against the Australians.
1: Yes, very interesting story. Very interesting story. Um, the backdrop is that the Wallaroos uh, have underperformed here, uh, and and so Rugby Australia are desperate to get them some more test matches before they play the Black Ferns in in Bledisloe Cup double headers in August, uh, and and so threw out an invitation to to the IRFU and were were knocked back very politely. You know, they said we were very interested, but we just, you know, it's not it's not our priority. We've got we've sort of settled on some November fixtures to prepare for the Six Nations. So thanks, but no thanks. Um, and actually, I'll tell you I'll tell you what the bigger what the bigger strategic play is here. It's something that Rugby Australia, um, the IRFU, now is where Rugby Australia was about about two or three years ago, maybe as little as two years ago. Everyone thought women's 15s rugby will die a death when women's sevens rugby really came onto the scene with the Sevens World Series and Olympic inclusion uh, and that was certainly policy in Australia and from what I've read uh, it sounds like policy in Ireland and um, it just didn't happen here the there were you know there there are there players in the sevens team, and then there were just p- club players who who just wouldn't go down without a fight and they actually latched on to um, a, a really passionate advocate for women's rugby in all its forms a woman called Josephine super who's now the president of australian women's rugby and and she and she held Rugby Australia to ransom, she said, unless you give uh, the women's fifteens game an equivalent competition domestic competition to what we call here the national rugby championship we're pulling our sponsorship she her- she and her husband um, founded a construction company that funds a lot of club rugby and sort of domestic tier rugby. And and they did. They were they they stayed true to their word and pulled their sponsorship of the national. They were naming right sponsors of our domestic their competitions, and men's fifteen aside, and pulled it. And lo and behold, eight months later, Rugby Australia came up with this Super W concept, which is. A domestic women's 15 aside competition with teams aligned to the Super competition to the, to the Super Rugby teams, uh, and and you know a couple of months into that, Build Corp, Josephine Sukar's company came back on board, and I'll and I know the narrative in in Ireland and the belief in Ireland is that uh, the people in charge at the IRFU are expecting uh, women's 15 aside to you know just. Scroll off into the sunset uh, without a, without a fuss, and it appears to me that the reaction from the story means that that probably isn't going to happen. I don't know what your take on it is, but, but that's I think the strategic piece because these codes can't; these codes are really battling to fund, you know, all of the different formats and and thought that if they gave if they put all their money and effort. Uh, behind sevens, given its Olympic inclusion and probably here anyway access to government money, that was the right the right move to make. Uh, and they just didn't account for a bunch of women who wouldn't cop it.
2: And on the funding piece, I just want to make the point that that what's being reported is that Josephine Sucker was uh, had offered to pay the accommodation costs mm. for the Ireland squad in Australia, but that they would expect yeah. than the IRFU. Yep, she had. Yeah
1: yeah she had she said if you can if you can fly them over here um we'll we'll cover everything else basically and she'd Enlisted the help of the Lansdowne Club over here, uh, and the president of the Lansdowne Club, whose name escapes me, I'm sorry, uh, said, "Whatever you need, we'll, we'll you know mobilise a network and 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 look after these women and get it done over here." Um, but you know, I mean, a three test series around Australia—that's a lot of money. It'll be a couple, a couple of hundred thousand dollars at the very least, even you know, on airfares and things. So. Um, uh, that it, it just it just came down to money. That that was certainly the behind the scenes message. It wasn't the quote from the IRFU, but it was certainly uh, the reason that the women didn't come out.
0: Yeah, well, I, I know actually, Georgina, that um, some of the Irish women's players were actually were just pissed off there before the Women's World Cup that the likes of Canada, New Zealand, uh, England were all playing these three test series, and Ireland got to play Japan a couple of times, maybe Spain as well, and it was just. They were saying we're preparing for World Cup and we're not getting proper preparation at all. Like so, I can't ever see like a, 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 a women's away tour going away to somewhere like Australia. Like they're just not going to put the money in. This, the focus is on sevens. I don't think they're ever going to officially come out and you know put that on the record. But sevens is where they're they're putting all their attention in. You're even seeing women's players getting pulled from the Six Nations to play sevens competitions as well. So. You know, that's that's a clear kind of raising of the flag where where all their support is going behind. But the the great thing that's kinda of happened since then over in Ireland is that you actually have in the past it was just kind of former players giving out about it, but you're actually having current players coming out and actually saying this is a disgrace as well. Mm-hmm. So 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 that's good to see that they're mobilized as well and um, you know, hopefully I don't know. Uh, you know, can they meet in the middle, Dubai for Australia and, and Ireland, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> in forty degrees? Yeah, well, well, a lot actually...
1: of fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting it's a really interesting issue for sports uh, and and the the reason the reason uh, it's really interesting is that for instance over here, if you So over here, there is no major sporting code in Australia, AFL, uh, rugby league, rugby union, football or soccer, uh, cricket, that does not recognise that to grow, grow their revenue to grow their market share they need to go after girls young girls and they need they need girls as well as boys now playing their sport um i can't i don't know what's happening in ireland but that's that's the scene here right and the afl uh started doing that about 12 years ago so 12 years ago they went hard in school for five-year-olds six-year-olds and seven-year-olds 12 years later what's happening the girls they've gone hard at now expect to have an elite competition to mm-hmm. play so now these sporting codes are coming up to the reality that if you, if you go after them, you can't then say, okay, you're 18, thanks very much, now go back to just watching it on the TV and how about you just watch the blokes. <laughs> um, they, they've created the market. And now they have to give them elite competitions to play in. Uh, and the AFL here, two years ago, um, had to um, started the AFLW, the AFL Women's competition. So, and 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 that was a result of twelve years ago going after girls. So, if Ireland, you know, I know that there would have been a lot of talk about um, participation around the Women's World Cup last year. If Ireland are going after women or girls playing to play the sport. They will have to give them competitions, and and obviously not every girl is going to going to want to play sevens.
2: Okay, Um, that's a really interesting perspective, Georgina. Thank you very much for talking us through it. Um, We're going to let you go. We'll continue um, our usual (laughs) blathering in the studio for the rest of it. Thanks,
1: Uh, gents. Cheers, Uh, Georgina. If it comes up roses for Ireland um, in Melbourne, I'm not available on (laughs) on Monday.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk to you again. Thank you very much, Georgina Robinson from the Sydney Morning Herald. Bye bye. Right, that's enough talk about last week. We're going to come back with your social media questions.
4: Murder She Wrote is the perfect thing to watch during the day. You can watch the start, fall off for 40 minutes, come back, see the end, perfect. You know what I mean? You've missed nothing, really. Remember, right, Kev in the Kline, he used to have to bring two TVs into the room, one for you for Chetlam. (laughs) Like every red-blooded male in the country, he'd be watching the horse racing, whereas I'd have a TV for myself for things like Murder, She Wrote and Houses Under the Hammer. Murder, she wrote, is the perfect thing to watch during the day
2: Welcome back to the Hard Yards Which doesn't include Kev now Because he's gone Yeah,
4: another half day for Kev. Another (laughs) half day to him. Yeah, looking for a full day's pay too. But apparently, so Jimmy,
0: look at just saying something. Just consummate professional (laughs) It's just great. That
4: That new producer we have now is unbelievable. (laughs) Uh,
2: We're going to look at some of the questions you've sent in on social media. Remember to follow us on Twitter at @thyrugby and use the hashtag #AskThy if you want to get in a question for next week. Okay, first one. Uh, end of season and jet lag seem to have flattened Irish rugby. How do we counter this for the 2019 World Cup? Should we travel to Japan three or four weeks earlier and have a few friendlies to sharpen up? That's from
4: Jonathan Coleman. Mm, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be something in place beforehand. It happened. Okay, <laughs> we don't want to talk about the Battle of Bayonne, but they <laughs> they were over. They went over early. You go over. You acclimatise nice and early because ultimately it's the, it's the be all and end all, isn't it? It's the, it's the World Cup that we're we're striving for Mm -hmm. at the moment Uh, I know we mentioned earlier on the show about um, winning the series yeah Joe needs to win it but his remit is World Cup and they will be there nice and early Hmm.
0: yeah like it's um, I'd say I'll play maybe two test matches at home you know they might do something abroad again they'll probably all be against the Six Nations sides again and then yeah it would be interesting to see like I'm sure they've lined this up or it's already been discussed 100%. already but it would be interesting to see if they, had, they did have a test match over in Japan or something like that take on the, the Sun Goliaths or,
4: or something like that in a friendly game there'll be, there'll be something <laughs> there'll be something over there because you're not going to leave anything to chance and if you do it'll be like look through the fine two comb to find out where things went wrong and that'll mm. be and you don't want a side pan, and you don't want any of that you know you just want it to be everything will have been done or if you were very good at that and it's would have been done a year or two ago anyway they gave okay. them like a, a very
0: easy week by the looks of it you know like they were off water skiing or jet skiing and, and golfing and stuff like that but they did look to be flagged like in that last 20 minutes like and the the Australian it, but the, the thing I kind of noticed and was kind of saying there before was at the end of that first half like normally Ireland's they've made it like their you know it's one of their go-to things they'll try and score points in injury time or at a time and Ireland had a scrum near halfway and Conor Murray just kicked it out 41 minutes gone like and to me that was a real sign of like you know this the guys don't have the same energy like you know like they why don't they press have a couple of phases and if it goes wrong so like yeah it was just that, it was that kind of thing that are these lads flagging and then it looked like that in the in the final 15 20 minutes so hopefully they're they're a bit more acclimatised They have another week I'm sure they're going to go easy on them again in training this week apart from maybe Tyg Byrne getting the crap kicked out of (laughs) (laughs) him (laughs) in training
2: Okay. next question Um, from Rob Ryan Uh, the tackle on Remy Grosso illegal or unfortunate if the latter a ban for recklessness given it's the head and the importance of trying to avoid that Uh, yeah this was a big double hit Mm -hmm. Um, the New Zealand Herald said that uh, Sam Kane or Ofa Tungafasi would not be sighted mm. um, we've seen no sighting yet No, as usual if once we say that it'll happen just after we record <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how it's not a sighting um, given what the punishments have been in place for the last 18 months now if you're going like that and you hit the head if not for Kane, certainly for Tungafasi
4: yeah I would have gone with the, the latter there Tungafasi to be honest it's extremely hard when you're in that position and when you see how low the two of them are, but you're leading with a shoulder um, and a shoulder to a head. <laughs> so,
2: a, du- uh, a now double fractured head. Uh, yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah, And it's it's not great. Uh, you kind of have to take the double fracture out as much as you... <laughs> And you don't want to like you kind of want to say look at what he's done even if he hadn't done anything you need to
2: that's a fair
4: point we we don't do outcome based it's not healthy it's like regardless of even if he was fine got up and wasn't even sparked or anything you'd be like right that's a shot to the head and I know it's low I know he's falling and it's it's a tough one but this is this is uh, this is where we've spoken before about these things on our on individual basis i think and as like we spoke Andy before and it's like when you slow it down and you see these slow motions it doesn't look great real time i think it's hard um but no you got to kind of you got to try and cut it out as much and have it in player's mindset
2: yeah this won't this won't look good if it goes past and nothing is said so what i'd suggest is this is one of those times where if they don't do anything someone needs to make a statement mm. from on high saying mm-hmm. why they're not
4: yeah, yeah so. or else just deal with it and move on and go right this is the ban there you go so yeah go. Yeah, I
2: would. Hansen will go nuts. Uh, <laughs> he's already been fairly clear that he says, "Look, there was nothing intentional. Therefore, no crime." But sorry, that's not how the law and the punishment yeah, works. Yeah. yeah.
0: And the, the, like the French, then just compounded because they got a very soft yellow card against them when it was eleven all. Mm. That you was know.
2: that was. Luke Pierce dropped the ball.
0: Yeah, there. yeah. He went straight for the pocket, and he didn't need to. Didn't look. Didn't ask to see it again or anything like that. And
2: even the even the Kiwi commentators were like, "Nah, what do you do?"
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. It was just so you could just see why the the French would be so livid about the whole thing, and then yeah, like on, only maybe five minutes later, yeah. this man gets absolutely cleaved out of it, and it,
2: um, so. it w- that would not make you happy.
4: No, <laughs> no, but it's still not going to account for the scoreline either. Like oh, you know, and, it off, and yeah. fair enough, But that's I watched the first half, and I was like, just fair play to the French, mm. kind of hang in. I was like, not a the chance they're going to hang <laughs> in. Like, but in in the back of my mind, the Kiwis are so good at just like just. Not panicking, just finishing teams off and you think the French might go, Oh look, we're it's a tight game, but my god, they're good, aren't they? they are.
0: Damien McKenzie's some man to bring off the oh, bench, isn't not he? Bad, not bad. The bench you look, yeah. Speaking of turnarounds England
2: <laughs> twenty one points leading by twenty one at test level and losing is I there are no words to describe how extraordinary that is. It's
4: unreal. It was a very, what was it, point a minute, interesting opening 15, 20 minutes of. and England just seemed to like I thought Ford controlled it and some of his passing was sublime Um, finding holes there was holes everywhere I think they targeted the two new wingers the test debut guys Mm. um, who seemed to be a little bit in no man's land uh, defensively and England were just running right and whatever was said and the word said but once they got a a bit of composure got a bit of um, uh, just a bit of time on ball really I think they caused them so many problems like not just their Physi- not your normal physicality that you would expect. Not like, as someone mentioned earlier, a Jake White team. Um, it was a Razi Erasmus sort of team, and it was it's quite interesting for the South Africans actually because it's a, a very new squad, very new team, and they look dangerous in attack. A, a lot rather than your usual. Oh, here's Vermeulen going to run over, and everyone's just going to be one-eight runners running over. They look lively and. England were going to scratch their heads, and South Africa totally deserved it.
2: Yeah. Yourself and Kev, um, before you went in the studio, were raving about Fafta clerk
4: Oh, like everything he did. Yeah. Uh, Just tempo, like he's kind of very ratty he's very kind of you know he just tries to increase the tempo which again goes against what you would normally associate with a, with a big physical South African team and he, even um, oh, what's his the name the, the second row Patrick good man for names but si- Simon was it? No um, was it, anyway. he was making <laughs> his debut the blonde guy and he was unbelievable <laughs> Erasmus was it Erasmus? No, no. I thought it was is that R.J. Simon was he Andres Nyman
2: Simon, uh, Simon That's how just yeah, yeah, pronunciation yeah. was all yeah, over
4: the shop go, there yeah. completely <laughs> <true music. laughs> so, you completely know, true So we'll edit all that down Yeah so Andres <laughs> Nyman <laughs> yeah. Do, do edit well that um, But he was immense Like, and it was like his debut and his, the amount of carries he got through and tackles and mm. it's a very much Eddie Jones result. is um,
2: is has been put on the, the fryer now by a few
4: people It's concerning like
2: it he is sa- He says he's only lost four because you don't count the Babas.
4: A look, I'll give him that. If, he, one. <laughs> if he's going to deflect that, fair enough. If, but that's if he's going to talk about you've lost four, you've lost five, and people aren't talking about how their players are performing, he'll be happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Like if you go in, if you go right, why isn't this guy doing this? Why? Like I didn't at the start. I was like, this forward uh, Access is opening teams up, yeah. but then flip. You're going to go defensively. Is it working? There's a uh, Henry Slade at thirteen. Um, don't know. I thought Elliot Daly was very good at the uh, in the back. I thought they negated Vinopola a bit then, and kind of when they kind of lose a certain amount of players, they kind of go quiet. You know, I thought Sam Curry was okay as well. Um, they've they've a a good squad so it'll be interesting to see how they can bounce back from this and Hmm. how much of a shot in the arm it's going to give the staff so it'll be an interesting second test
0: there's actually Simon Gleave there he was saying he was going to check if it was the biggest ever turnaround in like a tier one game and it it turns out that it is and it beats Ireland giving up 19 points against the All Blacks in 2013 so that's a record I'm happy to lose
2: I thought that there was another biggie did Wales lose a huge
0: one I think he ended up because he was talking about it immediately after said he said he thought it was and then he went back on Simon and, on Sunday and said yeah to him to him, he confirmed it so was a good man to trust I would trust Mr
2: Gleaves yeah, if yeah. he's going to look for it uh, very last question um, Kyle Johnson wants to know does Saturday show a lack of depth at 15 poor performance from Carberry with no talk of any competition to him now that Carberry's set for 10 would Henshaw at 15 be an option given the quality and depth of our centres Uh it was a, a weird performance from Car- Carney actually he started mm. first half hour yeah. he was a superman yeah Yeah. he was phenomenal smooth silk <laughs> and then um, it all changed in that 10 minutes before half time
4: yeah I think he, I think he misjudged a kick or he got a and then he was just a little bit out of sorts look you can't take away from what a great year he's had you're allowed to have a little bit of a, a bad bad day um, as they're putting Henshaw 15 Joe has mentioned that before oh. i he hasn't know. done it by now. I don't he's not know doing because it. because physically Robbie's changed. Um I don't think he not to say his light, but he's he's bulked up a bit he, to play in the centre to He honest. was a lovely running yeah. fullback when he came in first. But that's what he was. He was yeah. a fullback. And now he and then he was a thirteen and now he's been kind of pushed into a twelve. So but you look at the physical shape of Robbie, Robbie's bulked up. He's yep. put on an extra at least five kilos if not more. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but the question if we're viewing uh, Carberry as our 10 right and not our starting 15 then are we looking at
4: Conway Zebos out of the picture yeah. Larmer as well yeah yeah it's like Stockdale across you'd be, you'd be pretty uh, but see alright if you're doing that you'd be pretty pissed off if you're an out now out back and Carney's not playing well and he'll go right hang on a second here we'll just a little bit of a stopgap will push him over and put I'm the fullback here why am I playing like yep. if, if Conway is going to be fullback and he says right zebo has gone from Munster I want 15 as my position put me in like okay. they'll have had the conversations so I'm sure it's going to be a question maybe does Rob need a break a fullback back? Give him a break. Just to, I, I don't know. Well,
2: Carney, Carney uh, was doing some media mm. yesterday or last yeah. night, and um, he was saying he was, it was just a concentration issue. He went through six seven minutes where the intensity was off the charts, um, and it was just a moment for concentration So I, I was looking at this yesterday, went back over the, that sequence, and from about the 32nd to the 34th minute, Carney is involved bang, 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 including mm. some fairly heavy contacts. Now, he definitely is very slow getting up after the last one, and that's a Immediately before the kick, he allows bounce. Yeah, but then later on, he he dropped one completely. So he he definitely was off, but uh, it was a shame. Was he was looking fantastic before that? So the, the,
0: the, uh, the, the interesting what I kind of find was like just from, from myself working over the weekend and doing articles and stuff. Is the two players that everybody turns on and maybe it's it's. They go back to them again. Like they always get hammered if they lose. But Peter O'Mahony and and Rob Kearney both have been getting a lot of flack since that game. And I thought O'Mahony had a great first half. I thought he was really good in the first half. Didn't see much of him in the second half. But and then again, like I, I would say, if, if if there's a team they should pick, I would keep Kearney in there because he's had such a good year mm-hmm. in the lead up to this. So like just because Israel Folau looked absolutely phenomenal doesn't mean that Kearney, you know, was too horrible. You know, it does two costly mistakes in the first half. But I'd keep him in there for the, for the next game anyway.
4: Okay. Happy with that? I, I change it and put and bring him back to her test.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So would you just go Carberry then, or
4: no? I, I change it up. Maybe just. So you're, you're putting Conway in now. Yeah. I would yeah. Second test. Yeah. 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 The, because we know what Rob does. Nothing against his performance. Like yeah. I, I think as you say, it was just a small lapse, and that's it. I don't yeah. think. there's a I wouldn't. Mm. As you say. Okay. I know people go after that. It's like the kind of Mike Brown of of England. Like no, you like. He's perfect, I'm happy with what he's done it's also it is so unusual for him to make mistakes yeah. like that hmm. we'll we'll give
2: him that one um all right. Listen, make sure to use the hashtag AskTHY if you want to get a question in for next week. So, thanks to Pat Kev, Jimmy and Georgina. Shane Dempsey was on sound and Fiona Delaney is on video detail. We'll be back next Monday with a new podcast. Subscribe to it on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud and every good podcast app to get us straight to your phone. This has been The Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week.
3: The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe.